Welcome back, race fans. This is episode 61 of the Horse Racing Banter Podcast. I am your host, Eric Johnson. It's a very, very special episode today. Today is the banter's first anniversary. We have been on the air now for one year, and I'm Very, very thankful to all the listeners out there who stick with us through the ups and downs and sideways. And I very much appreciate your listening to our fun little project here. Um, Also, episode 61 is, is really kind of the first kickoff episode for... The Breeders' Cup, we are within 21 days of the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar on Friday, November 5th, my little bro's birthday, and Saturday, November 6th. Hopefully, we get a nice, warm, and sunny day at Del Mar in, in, uh, at the Del Mar track. Um, between now and then, we're going to be looking at the, the fields that will be getting, uh, wrestled up for, for the different races down there. We're definitely going to have a show entirely dedicated to one of our favorite bits. Yeah. Put a cookie on it. Put a cookie on it. Put a cookie on it. My brother Don has graciously um, volunteered to come back on the show to do the cookie episode, and um, I'm also thinking that I might might try to bring in a few others. Uh, people just to have a fun time talking about uh, the Breeders' Cup and and different uh, memories of that, and all throw out our number one cookie, and we'll go race by race, probably for just the Saturday races because those horses are better known. And yeah, it should be a lot of fun. We'll have uh, episode next week, and then probably the cookie episode. And I will probably be doing two episodes live from Del Mar Racetrack on the Wednesday and Thursday of that week. I fly down to Del Mar on Wednesday. We'll record the Friday show, which means I'll make selections for the Friday races of all the juveniles. And then there will be a big Thursday show in which I'll make the selections for the big races on Saturday, including the Breeders' Cup Classic. And it's possible I'm contemplating participating in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. 
It's something that I've always wanted to do. It's a head-to-head handicapping contest. Unfortunately, in the state of Washington, they don't let us uh, participate um, in feeder events where you can win yourself an entry into the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. Um, We have some of the most restrictive betting laws in the United States here in Washington, which is completely outrageous. Talk to your state senators. We need online gambling, not only for the fun and entertainment, but heavens to Betsy, we certainly could use the tax rolls. Come on, people, let's get on board here. I want to play DraftKings. I want to participate in in, uh, betting challenges. We have horse racing um, betting, so why not, you know, open things up? Let's let's get moving here. All right. So the only other announcement that uh, I'm going to make is just a reiteration of something I talked last week. TBG is helping out the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund with a fundraising telethon. That'll be um, Sunday the 17th. So if you're uh, listening uh, to races or watching races because, you know, it's Sunday, it, it's, it's, it's the best first horse race, um, you know, think about making a donation. Um, read some stories on the, the site for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund, and boy, I tell you, they, they have raised money to really help out in making a, a much better life for some of these jockeys that have been um, disabled in, in this um, sport. So um, I, will, uh, I will be making a contribution on behalf of the Horse Racing Banter podcast. And um, hopefully when I call in, I can talk to one of the Hall of Fame jockeys that we have interviewed and, um, you know, give them the information to make a contribution. They're all supposed to be participating, so that is outstanding. All right, let's get into a recap of the, basically the last week and of Breeders' Cup Challenge races. Um, At the end of last week's show, I read off a list of horses that had already qualified and really it got me fired up. I mean, my goodness, the, the, the names of those horses were just impressive. And over the weekend, we've added in some other great names. Um, here, here's a tip for you. I keep mentioning this, but every time I pick out the series of races that I am going to cover, I always pick the winner of the first race. So just file that back somewhere. I know I've mentioned that a few times, but the Woodford was the, at Keeneland on Saturday, was the first race I talked about. And my selection was Golden Pal, and Golden Pal won. So there you have it. Golden Pal looked very impressive, too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where that horse ends up um the thoroughbred uh club of america stakes race the next race in the series at keeneland on saturday bell's the one bell's the one um got the win 
and looked very good doing it. I've always really liked this horse, and I think it really is one of the only threats to to Gamin. Gamin is going to be in the Philly and Mare Sprint against Bells the One. I'll get to kind of that later as I go through, you know, some of the races that um, we have some prelims on. Um, the next race was the First Lady, and my cookie. Yeah. Put a cookie on it. My cookie bet of blowout ended up winning the race, and. Um, yeah, that made me happy. It's always nice to get higher odds, and blowout should have been lower odds. I don't know why it was kind of overlooked, but um, yeah, blowout takes the first lady. Then we had um, the Claiborne, and my initial my initial look at the race, I had on top. And it was my pick. Rattle and roll. And for whatever reason, started telling myself stories, start analyzing, and let me emphasize overanalyzing things. Ended up not only not including it in the five horses, but I really just you know, for no reason at all, just took it completely out of the list of horses that I went after I had picked it as the first horse. So I'm really re re gearing my, my thought process around making sure I stay, stay true to my first impressions because a lot of times they're usually pretty good. So anyway, rattle and roll, um, did have the the pedigree to really you know take down this race and is going to be part of the juvenile crowd um on friday at at, at the at the uh, breeders cup um in the turf mile uh, my horse pixelate came in third to a horse named in love and i'll tell you I am in love with in love. Wow, that horse looked fantastic. Hopefully it can uh, remain in top form. So look for in love down the road. All right, at Belmont on Saturday, the Joe Hirsch, I set it up to be a a two-horse race, Gufo, who came in third in Japan who I don't even know what place it came in. It wasn't even a part of the the top part of the results. But um, Rock Emperor, Rock Emperor came through with a pretty impressive win. Um, so we'll see Rock Emperor at the Breeders' Cup. And then the Bosberg, which was a sprint uh, featuring what I thought was going to be Forenze Fire, nibbling on or savaging baby Yoda um, turned out to be really a romp by a horse um, called following C. It's amazing. Pletcher really is good at Todd Pletcher, the trainer, by the way, 
is really good at kind of gearing a horse for a certain race. And this was definitely the case. Um, unfortunately, there was only four horses in the race. But the time was actually pretty good. It was 109.1, and following C was just loping it in. So it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to follow following C. All right. Um, on Sunday, I went with a trio of favorites and went three for three. Latruska took down the spinster at uh, Keeneland. The two-year-old races, Averly Jane won the Indian Summer. And Tis the Bomb won the Bourbon. Tis the Bomb. So all those horses will be at the Breeders' Cup come early November. It'll be exciting to see how some of these juvenile races will shake out. You know, the two-year-olds are hugely unpredictable in, in you know, knowing, you know, they can look hugely impressive in some of these lead-up races. And my colleague Mark, colleague Mark would always make mention of the fact that, you know, it's a different story when you're running against like competition and when there's 10 12 14 of them traffic becomes an issue um pace becomes more of an issue some of these horses won't have it their own way um and they're two-year-olds so it's always an exciting you know a lot of times high payout you know exotic bets it's just a a lot of fun and and I have to I have to learn to throttle back a little bit on my betting for day one because those odds can entice you but you know they're there for a reason because it's really anybody's race and you know exotics can get blown up by some unknown horse in second place or or even the win so um I'm going to I'm going to take it easy day one but um, day two is, it is, you know, pushing the chips all in. All right. So we've got some ideas of who is going to be in different races. Um, I've been kind of scouting through the different, the different, um, services, I was so happy today. I got my email from DRF says, Hey, you can order your Breeders Cup package. You can get pre post positions, you know, all the possibilities, updates, workouts, everything. And when I get that email about this time of the year, giddy is the word, giddy. Um, okay, so. In the Philly and Mare Sprint that I told you that Bell's the one is going to be part of, you have an overwhelming favorite in this race of Gamine. The morning line or the odds posted by bookmakers is, is already at four to five. 
everybody else, um, Bella Sophia, Cece, Bell's the one, Edgeway, Estillo Talentoso, all are starting at 8 to 1 and go up to 20 to 1. So it's going to be, you know, really the field against Gamine. And the only way that Gamine doesn't win this race, depending on who's in it, is if it doesn't like the surface. Now, Delmar's surface is a little different. Probably won't make any difference to Gamine, but that could be the only kind of thing that really could could change this race much. Uh, let's see here. Let's uh, go back to the... This one is the Distaff. And Latruska has won six of seven, all in graded stakes with four grade ones. Early favorite at nine to five. If Malathot runs, they've got it pegged at 11 to two. She dares the devil at eight to one. Private Mission, who recently, you know, won a race um, at Delmar, eight to one, Clarier, 10 to one. Um, and the odds go up, you know, from there. So, you know, again, pretty heavy favorite in Latruska. And we'll just have to see what horses decide to go up against her. Um, the other race that I was looking at is the, the, the sprint championship. Um, the overwhelming favorite in this race is Jackie's warrior. Um, following C that we just saw win the Vosberg and Dr. Shival, 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 um, which I can tell you right now, I'm going to bet the doctor ahead of Jackie's warrior um, because I love that horse and it's in top form. Um, Dr. Scheibel is six to one following C is six to one frenzy fire, which I think is a little tired um, is 10 to one CZ rocket, 14 to one baby Yoda, 14 to one Lexitonian 33 to one. We're going to talk more about that horse down the road. I know it. Um, and then the, the, the last one is the, the classic. The last race on Saturday. After being very whiny months ago about the prospects of the classic, when a lot of the horses weren't running, they... A lot of them weren't running well, the ones that were running. This classic is shaped up to be pretty impressive. So the early morning favorite, or the early favorite is Nick's Go at 7-2. to two. Essential Quality is at 9-2. to two. Art Collector is 8-1. to one. Hot Rod Charlie is 10-1. to one. Medina Spirit, the Kentucky Derby winning Medina Spirit is 10 to 1. 
it's funny. I was reading um, a a article, and they wrote about Medina's spirit. Um, still, still the Kentucky Derby winner, comma could change soon. <laughs> Love the horse, hate the trainer. Um, Max player ten to one. Happy Saber sixteen to one. Maxfield. Maxfield, 20 to 1. And then my, my, I know I will be betting on this horse. I just have a, I just have a Drosselmeyer feel to this, this horse, triple. It probably won't happen, but I'm going to have to take it to the end. Um, Express train, 40 to 1. Dr. Post, 41. Stiletto Boy, 75 to 1. All right. So I think this is shaping up to be an outstanding, outstanding Breeders' Cup classic. I think, you know, you're going to have Nick's Go head out, um, Art Collector head out, Essential Quality will be tracking closely. But the two real wild cards in this race are going to be Hot Rod Charlie and Medina Spirit because it is shown that both those horses only do really well if they are pressing early pace and actually should be in the lead. Um, both of them have only come about their wins when they've either been in first or second early. Um and and you know you you have a, some horses here that can come off the pace that I mean if all that speed of Nick's Go Art Collector Hot Rod Charlie Medina Spirit really push this thing way too hard it could set it up for a Maxfield or a Triple E or an Idol to to come roaring up and take this thing down. So of all the races that I've kind of looked at so far, this this one's got me the most fired up. And, you know, I will be outlining the progress of all these entries um, for us, you know, going forward over the next three weeks, 21 days. And we will be ponying up a fun, fun uh, cookie episode. Yeah. Gotta love the cookie. All right, that's it for our one year anniversary show, episode 61 of the Horse Racing Banter Podcast. I look forward to taking you through. November 6th, when we'll be yelling and screaming for Tripoli to come roaring down the lane and take down all these heralded horses and win the Breeders' Cup Classic. And I will see you all at the payout.